Well, good morning. I was uh, with Jonathan on Thursday night. Uh, we spent some time together. So he presents his love and his blessings and his greetings to you. Uh, sadly, he did not ask for his old job back. So it's just me this morning again. We're stuck with each other for now. And it's going to be good. Uh, 300 years, can we, yeah, so 300 years ago, approximately, a small group of Christians were worshipping in this area. Actually in a farmhouse. Uh, a few miles away in a, town, in a village called Millington. And uh, they decided to build a church. And they built that church in Millington, initially a little chapel. And it was, around, it was in the 1750s that that church was established. And it grew quite dramatically. A uh, hundred years later, just grab the... Approximately a hundred years later, so this is a long time later, in the 1850s, a piece of land was offered here in Lynn by this chap, Thomas Ridgway, who was a fairly wealthy tea merchant at the time. And what, was, uh, what that later became Higher Lane Baptist Church, and later than that, Lynn Baptist Church, became established. And it grew very rapidly. Through the life of faith of those believers were here today. Uh, it was largely for the working classes. Baptist churches traditionally have been for the working classes. So if you were of the gentry you would go to one of the Anglican churches. <clears throat> there must be hundreds and hundreds of stories. This is 300 years of history of this church. And there must be hundreds, if not thousands, of stories in that time, mustn't there? Of these people who lived, families, faithfully lived and died here. Who were they? Well, we can get a little glimpse of some of them from the churchyard outside this church where there are stones and Alison has been doing an exercise recently, mapping the stones, the gravestones, because we need to do that as a church for lots of reasons. And as you do that, you do learn something about families who lived in this area. Many of the stones outside this church tell stories, stories of loss, yes, but also stories of faithful lives that were lived faithfully and well. Um, just as a couple of examples, here's Mary Briley. I don't know her. She died in 1857. And her text from uh, Philippians chapter 1, for me, she says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. There's a really, really sad story out there as well. Probably the most moving story um, that, I've, that we've come across, which is the story of Charles and Julia Booth in remembrance of their five children, Samuel, Emily, John, Sarah and Edith, aged between 11 and two and a half, all five children died in the same week. Which is kind of horrendous loss, isn't it? Almost unimaginable. Now, we don't know what it was, maybe it was a catastrophic fire or something. And their verse on there is, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away from Job. How moving. Charles was a labourer, he's a Julia Fustian cutter. One of the children did survive and Annie was born. Annie, another child, was born to Julia and Charles the following year, which we can see in the census. On a different note, here were two brothers-in-law. Um, Lord and Gould. Gould some, some names come up a lot and Gould is one of them. Two brothers-in-law uh, buried in the same plot, which we thought was interesting. Were they great friends? Or did their sisters think, we could save a bit of money here? <laughs> Who knows, yeah? Who knows? 
But stories of, of people who lived and, and worked and died faithfully in this place. Some of you also have family who came before you who were in this church. And some of those are also remembered outside. Stories of faith and life etched into stone. People who worshipped here and left a, a great legacy for us. A great legacy. That's their story in their time. What about our story? What about our time? So some years ago, actually the summer of 2017, as a leadership team and as a church, uh, we got together and we invested time. We felt that God was calling this church into a new chapter, something new. And one of the main verses that we came up with was uh, Isaiah 43. See, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it rises up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And a number of verses were brought to us uh, by different people. Um, They were almost all, almost all about flowing water, streams of living water. Uh, When Jesus says, I'll I'll make you into streams of living water. Or going into deeper water when Jesus said to Peter, go out into deeper water and cast your nets. Or as we saw, as we heard just now, a a, a river of life-giving water. They were almost all around water. And we felt this was confirmed in different ways. So um, Lisa Holmes, who did our church weekend in 2017, without discussion, also brought Isaiah 43 to us. She, see, I'm doing a new thing, and now it rises up, which, we didn't, which was a, a good confirmation for us. And after we'd um, come up with the verses, after that, somebody found out that Lim, the town Lim, L-Y-M-M, actually means place of running water. So in lots of ways we felt God confirming this for us as a church and as well as a leadership team. And a picture began to emerge that God wants to do a new thing, that God is going to do new things. And the LBC vision emerged from this, originally in this form and now mainly electronic. And hopefully you've seen that this week and read it or reread it. Because it's important, if we feel God is saying something... It's important not just to get excited and then forget about it. If God said that, then we need to go back to it regularly. Uh, Simon spoke about this vision last week. He's focused on the first line. Uh, We have a vision, it says, to be a distinctly Christian community at the heart of Lim. A distinctly Christian community at the heart of Lim. And uh, if you missed his message, please go back on YouTube and watch it. It's really, really well worth 25 minutes of your time to do that. But today, I want to take it further. And I want to ask specifically the hard questions, opening that document, what of that vision has been fulfilled and what yet has not been fulfilled? Let's ask the question. Okay, or somebody to turn their phone off. <laughs> uh, so, um, but before we go into that, I want to go into, um, all right, the Ezekiel 47 passage. And I just thought, yet last week we were doing Luke, this week we're doing Ezekiel. Sometimes it's hard to know where these books fit with one another. Um, three years ago, we did a thing called the tour of the Bible. And I did this 10-minute video, the Bible in 10 minutes. It's on my website. It's on our YouTube site. If you sometimes wonder how do these books fit together into one story, 
I urge you to go and look at that. It's only 10 minutes, and I think it'll give you context of how the Bible tells one story from Ezekiel to Luke and actually from Genesis to Revelation. But for now, um, Ezekiel, um, in that passage we just read, Ezekiel lived in the 6th century BC in a time when the ancient Israelites, Israel, were taken away in captivity to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, or what we now call Iraq. So they were living there in a strange land, and uh, you, you must have, I'm sure you'll be familiar with Daniel. Daniel was one of those who were taken away. Uh, but Ezekiel was also one who was taken away. And uh, <clears throat> he was a prophet and a priest. And <clears throat> he was a prophet and a priest. And his ministry, his book, is a mixture of judgment and hope, judgment and comfort. And in this passage, and I'm going to read a bit of most of it to you again in a sec. We see Ezekiel being shown around, um, apparently by a man. The man is a messenger of God. That's a, a motif that God often uses. It's a messenger of God, if you like, an angel of God. And there's this healing river flowing east that starts off as a trickle, but becomes a fast-flowing channel. So let me read most of it again to you. I've put it all up there so you can see it all at once. So, Ezekiel 47 from... Uh, verse 1, just to help it settle in our heads. Here it is a second time. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate, facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As a man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, or about 1,500 feet, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand but now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region." And goes down into the Arabah, which is a arid region between, on the borders of Jordan and Israel, an arid, dry desert region. Goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will, uh, will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish, because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. Where the river flows, everything will live. <coughs> Rivers are amazing things to watch, aren't they? I think most of us, possibly all of us, could just sit and watch rivers. Full of life, <clears throat> vibrancy, vitality. Rivers carry the power of uh, what's driving them. In this case, God himself. <clears throat> the water itself 
is the presence of God in this case. Can anyone think of another place in the Bible or the books of the Bible where we get this picture of a river bringing life? Where else in the Bible do we see rivers bringing life? Revelation. Revelation, yeah. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, yeah. I never thought of that, yes. That's true, yeah. And right at the beginning of the Bible as well, don't we? In the Garden of Eden, uh, the river of life. And uh, back in, in, it goes to Revelation 22, where the river of life um, gives water to the tree of life and nourishes that, which brings fruit uh, month by month. So strong connotations. This river starts as a pitiful trickle but becomes a fast-flowing, irresistible torrent that no one can cross, says Ezekiel. Interestingly, not every area is subject to this river. Some areas, the marsh areas in that passage, remain salty. But other areas do become subject to the river. And for them, it's life-changing. Salty water becomes fresh water. Water that's undrinkable and hostile to life becomes drinkable, supporting life. And this, um, <clears throat> this idea of God starting out in an, in, with an, a tiny trickle that becomes a raging torrent, this idea of God starting out with something tiny that results in something unstoppably powerful is a repeating idea in the Bible as well, isn't it? Um, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the t- one of the tiniest seeds, but it gives life to a huge tree. And other creatures and birds come and live in its branches. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. You can barely see it, but it transforms a whole batch of dough. God loves to do that. He loves to create, to, to create unstoppable, mighty acts from things that are small and apparently even foolish. And this um, passage ties in very well with the other verses. In particular, this one in John 7, where... Um, it's the festival of tabernacles. Jesus goes up to the festival and then on the last and greatest day of the festival in John 7, it says Jesus stood up and in a loud voice he said, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Streams of living water will flow from within them. And this verse gave us some cause for thought that streams of living water could flow from within us. What, what does that mean? It sounds good, but what does it mean? So that's the background to that vision. Let's now do what I said and step back and say, okay, but what aspects of the vision specifically have we seen fulfilled in seven, almost eight years? What aspects perhaps have we not seen fulfilled yet? So what have we seen? Um, the, the three areas in the vision were community, outreach and discipleship. Community, outreach and discipleship. And it's all three at once. It's not one or the other. It's all three of those. We felt God gave us a vision for all three of those areas. Front and centre. Well, let's talk first about how the vision has been fulfilled. Front and centre, one of the big aspects of this vision was to develop this place, this building this community as a place of conversation. Uh, We have mainly secular groups who come and use our spaces during the week, and our question was, how can we tailor our space to better minister to these groups, to make this a place of conversation? And in 2018, 
we came up with a fairly specific um, working out of that vision. This was a report that we issued in 2018. We said we thought we want, God wanted us to create a comfortable space for conversation and fellowship. We see that in the lounge. A welcoming foyer, we've seen that. A quiet space to encourage a sense of peace and reflection. We've seen that in the refurbishment of the prayer room. To discover other community needs from Warrington Council. We've seen that. We keep seeing that. During COVID, we would leave no one behind. We became a food bank. Two years ago, maybe 100, maybe more than 100 Ukrainian refugees for almost a year were using this place. We're seeing that. Um, involving other organisations, groups and, and clubs. We are seeing that. To some, to some degree, there's more to do. Richard has started work uh, relatively recently as a chaplain in this church. Um, curating signs and leaflets. Trying to unclutter so that, so that the few messages we want people to get are up there. We're seeing that. Develop a drop-in culture, again, with, uh, with our ministry staff, with our chaplaincy. Opportunity for midweek visitors to easily request prayer. We've recently put that up there. Telling our own story. We haven't done that yet that well. So some of the things we haven't done. But 90% of that part of the vision I can see, we can see, has been fulfilled. And it's not just about the building. It's about what we do in it. It's, it's, the building is just a vehicle. So we're seeing a chaplaincy that works in and amongst this group, these groups. So for example... Um, small example, we've been doing a Christmas event for our user groups. Three years ago, I think six or seven people came from the user groups. Two years ago, 20 people came. Last year, 50-odd people came. So that's growing. We're also seeing a few people doing things like attending uh, a little... Uh, last year, we did a course on Who is Jesus. This year, we're, doing, um, we're showing a dramatisation of the life of Jesus called The Chosen in the Lounge. And a few of those people are attending that who don't know Jesus. So there's more to do, but we are seeing God's vision fulfilled. Definitely God's hand at work doing what he said. So then what about where we've not seen the vision fulfilled? That's where we've seen it fulfilled in a way that we could foresee. What about where actually this vision remains unfulfilled? I think there are two areas um, where we have yet to see um, the fullness of God's working out his vision in this place. The first one is church planting. Um, this was a, there was a strong sense seven to eight years ago that God want that we are a full congregation, a well-resourced church, and that it was time to look outside of, of these walls and to plant a congregation somewhere else. Um, we have seen a congregation planted online, but that's part of it. But maybe there's something else here as well. We spent time in 2021... But in the end, we never felt it was quite right for us to step out and do that. Someone emailed me two or three weeks ago and said, um, you know, if we're not going to plant a church, we're big enough to help resource other churches, perhaps smaller churches, perhaps a smaller church. That, that is also actually written into that vision. Could we actually be part, help another congregation in another part of, this, uh, of Cheshire, perhaps? Some of us do that, we go out and we preach and we lead worship in other churches, but perhaps there is something where more formally, we as a church could put our arm around another smaller church and help them. I don't mean a church that's going to close anyway in the next 10 years. 
I mean a smaller church that has a vision. A smaller church that's seeing growth but needs resourcing. Could we do that as a church? So maybe there's more to come here. And then, sec- and then secondly, where I think there's still more of this vision, much more to be fulfilled, is in our discipleship. Are we growing as disciples? Could you say that this year you've grown as, as a disciple compared to this time last year? Could you say that? I feel that mostly, a lot of us still have more to do, that we have not moved as far forward as perhaps God wants us to, and as perhaps we want to. We want to, if we want to move forward and become authentic disciples, authentic discipleship means following Jesus, not just agreeing with Jesus. Authentic discipleship means finding joy in Jesus each day, being able to abide in Jesus through the day. Being able to turn our face toward him. Equipping us. So equipping you in your places of work, in your schools and colleges, in your families, in your um, leisure clubs, whatever you do. Equipping you so that you feel you are the hands, the feet, the eyes and the ears and the mouth of Jesus in those places. That's what being a disciple is. And I think there's more to do, isn't there, in that. There's more to do. As a leadership team, we are currently reading a book, uh, a new book um, on on discipleship, a new approach to actually an ancient uh, tradition of Christian discipleship. And that approach may be right for us as a a church. We don't know yet. Uh, We're looking at that book. We're talking about it next week. But there is more to do here. So I've talked about the vision being fulfilled in some areas, and perhaps the, the vision not being fulfilled in other areas, okay, the two sides. But there's a third side to this vision, which I haven't told you about yet. There's a third aspect, a third way of looking at it. I've said, here's how the vision is being fulfilled, what, in ways that we could foresee. Here's how the vision hasn't yet been fulfilled. But there's a third way, which is how God has fulfilled this vision in ways we did not foresee. How God surprised us in ways that completely blindsided us by doing things in this church that we did not foresee and yet were part of that vision when we look back. This is the best part, the most exciting part, because we didn't see it coming. We had no idea this was coming. We only realised in hindsight that this was God fulfilling his vision. Let me tell you about it. Back in 2020, you will all remember we were hit by something called COVID, weren't we? And um, the shops closed, everything stopped, the world stopped. It looked like the church was going to stop. But the church didn't stop. And if you remember, we created a sign outside this church that said, the building is closed, the church is open. The building is closed, the church is open. Find us online. Now, um, we had to find another way of doing church. So we went online, and we'd never done that before. And none of us were trained when we went to college, to theological college, to be YouTube presenters. You know, that wasn't on the syllabus. Uh, but we did it. And with the help of gifted people here at LBC, particularly on the tech side, this really was their finest hour. They allowed us to get online. They enabled us to get online. And so the church moved. A lot of the time, 
We thought we, we just felt we were making it up. We didn't know what we were doing sometimes. That bottom sound was me saying, the sound isn't working. <laughs> we made mistakes. We sometimes got things wrong. We sometimes felt we were just muddling through. And yet, and yet, we provided an engaging, meaningful encounter with God every single Sunday through lockdown. Every single Sunday. And we regularly got views, 400 views, 500 views, 600 views, 700 views. Some of those were smaller churches. Some of those were smaller churches. And did you hear Phil Jump? He was here two weeks ago. This is the first time he's been here since lockdown. And he formally thanked this church for what we did during lockdown. He formally said, thank you for providing services services through lockdown that other churches who didn't have your resources were able to tune into. Other churches. That's thousands of people who took part in our services. We could do it because we had the know-how, we had the resources. Many of the churches couldn't, but they relied on us. They relied. We still have viewers, uh, people in our congregation as far away as Tasmania. There's a lady in Tasmania who calls this church her church. Right? <clears throat> but that's not the best bit. The best bit is to come. Because one of our leaders pointed out, only a couple of years ago, she said, it was Nicola, she's upstairs at the moment, but she said, don't you think it's interesting that we've had this vision and the phrase that's used for what we're doing on YouTube, the phrase that's used for what we're doing today is live streaming. It's a live stream. It's a live stream. And God said, I will make you into a living stream. A stream of living water. And we thought, what does that mean? It sounds good. And here it is, a a stream of living water. Friends, this isn't coincidence. God used this church to bring life, to bring living water into parched lands, into arid places at the darkest, driest time in recent history. Bringing what this church could do to thousands of people, right in the middle of one of the darkest periods of recent history. (coughs) Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the festival, stood up and said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within you. And streams of living water are flowing. In ways we didn't know, we didn't expect. It's fantastic, isn't it? What God has done. That's the best part of a vision. When God does it and you don't see him doing it until afterwards. And you think, wow, that's amazing. So if the band, if you want to come back up again, guys. I just want to end. God is working out a story here in this place. You go back 300 years and there are a few people meeting in a farmhouse. A few miles away writes to thousands of people experiencing this stream of living water over the air. God is working out a story. This is our story. It's your story. What's next in this story? God is the author and he invites all of us to play a part. These are exciting times. And there's only one thing more for me to say, which is, will you help us write the next chapter of this story? These are exciting things that God is doing. Do you want to be a part of it? Because come along, be involved, get engaged, be part of what we're doing. And next week, specifically, come and be a part of what we're doing.
where we think about what else, what is God saying to us now as a church? Come and be part of that too. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness from the 1740s and 1750s right now to the 2020s, doing things, Lord, that nobody could have imagined, streams of living water. Thank you, Lord, that you're a faithful God, but you're also a God of surprises, who loves to surprise us. Lord, we we want those surprises. We look forward to the next surprises in our life as a church, in in the story that you're working out here at Lynn Baptist Church. We look forward to that. We welcome those surprises. In the name of Jesus. Amen.